Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. Good morning, WBEN News Time 502. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Asarowski. Outside right now, rain and a lot of it. 57 degrees in Buffalo. After emotional testimony on Capitol Hill from families and survivors shattered by gun violence, the House passed a sweeping gun control package late Wednesday night, but it's facing a roadblock in the Senate. Andrew Dimbert has more. Last night, five Republicans joined House Democrats approving a bill that would raise the minimum age for buying semi-automatic rifles and shotguns to 21 and ban large-capacity magazines as well as kits that allow people to assemble so-called ghost guns. The House approving the regulations after powerful testimony from families of the victims of the Uvalde and Buffalo massacres. Congressman Chris Jacobs was one of the few Republicans to support the measure that would raise the minimum age for purchasing assault rifles to 21 and ban high-capacity magazines. Jacobs was one of five Republicans who supported it. Just one of those five is running for re-election. It's uh, interesting what happened on Capitol Hill yesterday, that testimony. By the way, we will hear plenty of what happened throughout the morning here on WBEN. Attorney General Merrick Garland announcing the Justice Department will review the law enforcement response to the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. The Uvalde Police Department's delay in entering the school while the gunman was inside the focus. Attorney General Merrick Garland is bringing in the, this group of nine former police chiefs, FBI official, that he's going to task with helping to aid this review into the law enforcement response to the Uvalde shooting. This group is going to basically assess independently everything step by step that happened on the ground there, both before leading up to the shooting, during and obviously after. But we should not expect anything in this review to result in criminal charges. That's Alex Maitland reporting from Washington. In Buffalo, Tops yesterday said the company plans to reopen its Jefferson Avenue location at the end of July. If you're looking for an exact timeline, I can't give one. But what I can tell you is that we should be opened around the end of July. You can imagine there are so many things that we have to do in order to rebuild the store, the equipment, restock the store. And the supply chain issues are presenting some problems with being able to secure some of the equipment. So we're looking at right now the end of July. That's Tops president John Persons. Crews have been in the Jefferson Avenue location working to revamp that store. We'll hear more on that from Brayton Wilson coming up in just about 25 minutes in North Tonawanda tonight. The city looking to empower residents to be prepared in the events of a shooting. The city of North Tonawanda is providing a free active shooter defense course, which shows community members how to handle themselves in active shooter situations. After the tragedy that struck our Buffalo community, Texas, and now even more. Um, it's a way for residents inside North Tonawanda, outside North Tonawanda, to get education on how to handle a situation that individuals might have experienced at Tops in Buffalo, or God forbid, they experienced it at another grocery store or a convenience store. 
any sort of situation. North Tonawanda Mayor Austin Tylick. So our police department is going to be running down uh, slides that tell people what they should do in this situation, what they should look for, how to act. This event is at 6 p.m. this Thursday at the North Tonawanda High School Alumni Center. We recommend that anyone attending is you know, around 18 or older, depending on the material, might be a little graphic or unsettling for some. And in addition, we are asking that anyone who is attending bring toiletry, non-perishable goods, because we're going to be collecting those as we are at City Hall uh, for the last two weeks, and we're going to be bringing them to the Buffalo community. For more details, visit WBEN.com. I'm Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. Thank you, Max. We'll be speaking with the North Tonawanda Police Chief, Keith Glass, about this shooter training coming up at 720 this morning. One man is dead. Another is being questioned by police after a stabbing in a parking lot on the Cheektowaga Amherst border. Police were called to Harlem Road near Cleveland Drive just after 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon after a report of a fight. One of the people involved had a knife. Police found a 21-year-old man unresponsive in the doorway of a building with a stab wound to the neck. He was pronounced dead at the scene. A 27-year-old man was found by officers behind the building and taken into custody. Another record-jumping day for gas prices all across western New York. Uh, Prices, uh, I'm sure you noticed. Do you need me to tell you? They're going up yet again. Um, maybe not as much as the last two days, but two cents. That's the jump uh, from yesterday. Four eighty-nine, the average in Buffalo this morning, according to the AAA. The average price across New York State reaching that five-dollar mark. It's five oh one. Of course, not just New York. While it's empty, drivers stranded, businesses struggling across the country. More states overnight seeing their average price top $5 per gallon. In just the last week, drivers in Monroe, Michigan saw prices jump 69 cents. In Covington, Kentucky, a 70 cent jump. And in Elgin, Illinois, prices up nearly a dollar in seven days. Veronica Miracle reporting again here in New York State. We've hit that $5 mark, right. 501 the average. Adding to the number of states that are at five or above. Many Western New York homeowners may be playing Pleasantly surprised when they head to the mailbox in the next few days. WBEN's Tom Puckett has more on money you're getting back from the state. It's over and above the star rebate. It's a one-time rebate. Esther Goulias of EG Tax says you have to meet some requirements to get that homeowner tax rebate credit. It has to be on a personal residence. It's based upon your income based on 2020, and your income has to be less than $250,000 and it's an automatic school credit. Gulia says most everyone should get this in June. Assemblymember Patrick Burke says this is a big help at a time where everyone needs it. In these difficult financial times we're facing right now, I think we're doing everything we can to alleviate uh, you know, financial burdens for people, and this is just one way where we can at least put uh, you know, tax relief for people uh, at the forefront of the priorities. This is done automatically. You don't have to do anything new. Read more, including a link to the credit, online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. All right, uh, over at WBEN.com, we're asking you about that rebate check in the mail. Uh, Have you got it yet? Yes or no? It's our Relax Honda web poll over at WBEN.com. Right now, 60% of you say no, but on the bright side, that means 40% of you said yes. Uh, It should be at some point this month that most homeowners receive that, though some checks will be 
mailed out uh, and will be received after June. But, I mean, anywhere, some people, $500, over $1,000 for some homeowners. So, you know, two, three tanks of gas, right? Right, right. No, it's very welcome at a really good time. Absolutely. Hey, usually we hear the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration let us know about recalls. But in this case... It's not the case. Federal safety regulators say they've closed a years-long investigation into power steering issues on older General Motors SUVs without issuing a recall. At issue, thousands of Chevy Equinox, GMC Terrain, and other models in which the power steering was described as sticky. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says GM responded with what it calls special coverage to fix the problem, replacing a steering gear with an improved one. The agency now says that coverage, combined with a relatively low complaint, rate means a recall isn't necessary. Daria Albinger, ABC News. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast calls for rain around the area this morning. Scattered showers this afternoon. Temperatures today in the low 60s. For tonight, skies will clear. It's going to be cool. Overnight lows in the low 50s, 40s across the southern tier. We head into your Friday with Great weather forecast for Friday. Temperatures near 70 under mostly sunny skies. Some scattered showers return late on Saturday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Bill Nab is joining us. He's co-founder of Inc. Labs, and they're offering a seminar today to local educators on weapons detection technology. Uh, Bill, good morning. Uh, good morning, Susan. Thank you for having me. Sure. Tell us about what you're actually presenting to these educators. Well, we, there's, there's a company out there called Evolve Technologies, and they're offering what's kind of a modern-age uh, weapons detection system. Don't think of it as the old metal detectors that you walk through when you're going to the courthouses and things like that. This is more of a free-flowing, come on, boys and girls, let's go, let's come into school as quickly as you can, scanning people, making sure that there's nothing on them, no weapons, no medals, no different things like that. So we're showing that to a bunch of schools and superintendents this afternoon who have really shown an interest in that product over the past couple of weeks. Now, here in Western New York, we've seen something um, that I think a lot of people on the surface would say is similar, and it received a lot of pushback, and that was like a facial and weapons uh, monitoring service that used cameras to kind of map faces and map what would look like any sort of gun, sound the alarm, and, and you know, kind of a go on forward with that. How is what you have with Ink Labs different from this uh, use of cameras and facial recognition and gun recognition technology? Yeah, Brian, great question. So there's no facial recognition software built into this program at all. It detects a weapon and then captures an image of the person if it finds something on them, a, a weapon or something like that. So there's no database associated with this. There's no send thing that scans the face and says, okay, based on what we're seeing here, now let's compare that to a national or a local database or anything like that. It purely is just using AI technology, artificial intelligence technology, to scan that person as they're coming through this, this sensor. If it finds something in a person's back pocket, backpack, in their ankle, something like that, it says, okay, there's something going on here. And like I said, it takes an instantaneous picture, and it also records a snippet of video. So now the person who's monitoring the system, monitoring the tablet, can say, okay, that person right there has something in their back pocket. We're going to stop them, put them off to the side, do a secondary screening, and then while that's going on, everybody else is still coming through. 
think of it like football games, <clears throat> stadiums. These guys um, evolve technologies, and they're in a whole lot of football stadiums. They're in a lot of schools right now, too, and that number's getting bigger and bigger. And the whole purpose behind this is free flow of traffic. Okay, so you don't want to stop people and scan them and then bring them in, because you guys know this. In the school setting, that takes an awful lot of time. And the last thing that you want to do is have crowds of students waiting outside of school to get in. Is it likely, Bill, that we've been through this at some public space and just didn't realize it with this technology? I think you have. And this is the funny thing that we're dealing with right now. <clears throat> when you think about airports, okay, we all know you go walking into an airport, you stand in the scanner there, you put your hands above the head and away you go. There's other places that had that same scanning technology just to, you know, make sure that you're safe. Think about a grocery store. Last night I had to go walking into Walmart. When I walked out of there, it scanned to see I wanted to make sure I wasn't stealing stuff. So scanners are part of everyday life. What we have found, though, is schools started to want this in their buildings. You take a guy like Mark Laurie up in Niagara Falls. Mark said, I don't want to be wanding all night. And the kids are coming in with emotional and social trauma from everything that happened with COVID. He wanted to bring the kids in safely. And he started, they started wanding these kids, and they realized that it took until second period to get all their students into the school. So what he said is, let's put this evolved system in, and we'll have all the students come walking right through these scanners and sensors into the kids. They didn't mind doing it at all. It became a regular occurrence because, like I said, it's the same sort of scanners that they would see from a perception standpoint when they're walking out of a grocery store or when they're walking out of Dick's or places like that. Is this something that a school district would be able to easily implement, or is the cost prohibitive for somebody to say, all right, district-wide or at all of our school's entrances, we're going to have this? Brian, you and I both know this. There's a lot of money out there for things like this. I'm not going to lie to you. The systems, they're not inexpensive. It's about $80,000 for a single-lane system, but that can be broken up over four years as well. So $20,000 a year. When you think of all the money that we're hearing about right now to be spent on parks projects and uh, infrastructure and roads, it's not really an awful lot of money to, to a school. It is an initial sticker shock, but I'll tell you, I think there's an awful lot of schools that we've been reading about recently and over the past couple of decades that would have looked at this and said, I think it was worth it to do that. How many schools are interested in this and are coming today to the seminar at Lackawanna High School? Well, that's a great question because we did a session a couple of weeks ago at the uh, at the Hilton over by the airport, and we didn't know what it was going to be like. And all of a sudden, we had 10 different school districts send representatives to that one. And then Keith Lewis from Lackawanna was nice enough to say, hey, we want to host an event over at our high school. And King Kelly down in, uh, in Randolph did the same thing. He's hosting one next Monday, uh, Monday the 13th down in Randolph. The response has been overwhelming. And people are saying, hey, we're sending people. We want to see what it is. Susan, this isn't a hard sell. We're not trying to, uh, I mean, we started taking a look at this technology back in January, and then everything started to happen. The responses that we're getting from superintendents and from building principals, though, is incredible. And all they're saying is, hey, we don't know if it's a good fit or not, but we definitely want to learn more. So they're going to take that information back to their school boards, back to their communities, and say, hey, this is what we have found. If you want to do it, we can. We can see if state funding is in place to make this stuff happen. But... I just give credit to a lot of these superintendents because it's a very difficult conversation to have. It's an awkward conversation. Nobody wants to be talking about this stuff. But these school leaders are being proactive and they're making sure they're finding out as much as they can. What happens 
if, you know, there is a weapon detected. Is that something that's up to each individual school or district that, you know, has this technology, the response they're in? Is there something in the technology that would, you know, issue some sort of alert or lockdown for the school? Uh, How far does the tech go? Well, it depends on how far the school wants to take it. So we all know that there's schools that have, you have to be buzzed into a school in order to gain entry to it. And immediately after that buzzing scenario, that's when people will be walking through the scanner. Something sets off the alarm. Yes, there's an audio alarm that's, that's, that's present. There's a visual cue that shows up on a tablet as well. If the schools have a complete infrastructure where the, all, all that information can be shared right to the front office, it goes there. If they have information, they can go to the local police station, it can go there too. Brian, it prompts a secondary response, meaning that the SRO that's in the building can pull that student off to the side and say, okay, let's figure out what's going on here. Is it a weapon? Is it something else that looks like a weapon? Is it just an extended umbrella? Is it something like that? But that forces the secondary screening. All the other students just keep going right through, right through the entire time. So if a school has something built in to their alarm system already that the local police are notified, it can do that as well. But that's all configuring the software behind the scenes. The key, though, is that they can walk in as they would normally, right? It wouldn't slow anybody down holding a cup of coffee, a cell phone, car keys, or whatever. Come on, boys and girls, you got 400. I'm trying to get you in here in eight minutes. Let's keep going, please. All right, very interesting, and uh, we'll see a little bit later on what the response is like. Hey, Bill, thanks so much. Bill Nab, co-founder of Inc. Labs, uh, talking about concealed weapon detection systems that uh, some schools have already implemented here in western New York and uh, many other may be implementing soon. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 